Hola mi gente, it's Anais. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to have a disclaimer that in this episode we're talking about mental health. Um, we do talk about eating disorders a little bit, grief, and suicide. So I do want to preface that before you start the episode, but I hope you enjoy it. That's my, my dad is your dad. and amigos welcome back to another episode of casi adulting el podcast with your host anais and fatima we're here for another exciting episode fatima how we doing we're doing good week five yeah yeah yes it's it's flying by but no we're excited to be back again we say it every episode thank you to everyone who's listened we hit one of our personal milestones which is really exciting um and we're just gonna keep going after more milestones so thanks for listening and sharing with your people on social media and anywhere else um it means a lot to us so we love when we get posts or like stories about you listening to the podcast it means a lot that we get to be a part of your day because this podcast has been really a part of everything so as we've started last episode we're going to talk about what's happening with us and being tias because it's our favorite point of discussion so halloween is coming up which is fun we were talking about like what we're doing and i feel like the excitement isn't really around us anymore it's more so around them and like what they're dressing up as so Anais what is Mason gonna be Mason is gonna be a cowboy he's gonna be Woody from Toy Story and I'm so excited I think I'm gonna if I go trick-or-treating with them I might put together a last minute like green alien costume like the Mm. little green aliens but yeah I'm really excited what about Luna she's gonna be baby Moana it's her favorite movie and she does kind of look like her so I think it's gonna be really really good we've been trying to convince her dad to be maui so we'll see if that happens (laughs) and i'm gonna be barbie because it's the year of barbie so i'm gonna do like this barbie is president you know that one Mm, i love that and this goes back to my the episode about what was it careers when i was like latina should be president so we're making it happen on october 31st i don't know if i'm gonna dress up besides that i really have this costume in mind but with moving back to south florida i don't really know what's going on i don't want to go to a club south florida is very expensive Mm. compared to chicago actually like in the going out scene I think so. Like, especially if you want to go to like a nicer club, like I don't want to go to a bar. I don't want to do anything. So I think I'm just going to carve some pumpkins this weekend, watch some movies, educate the man's on Halloween because he doesn't celebrate. Mm. And we'll see. Yeah, I feel like the spirit of Halloween slash fall has been kind of lacking this year. So I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to go get some pumpkins to watch a movie. Do you have a favorite Halloween movie? Probably. I think it has to be Halloween Town. Amazing. Yeah, I want to say Halloween Town. Hocus Pocus is a little too scary for me. Not gonna lie. (laughs) 
And this year I saw that there's like a, I don't know why I've never seen it, but there's, there's like a, a Shrek Halloween, Shrek oh, really? Nights. So I, I think didn't I'm going to watch that. I want to plan something really nice and fall for next year so i'm just gonna save all my energy for that but halloween is very much alive in my house because it's my mom's favorite holiday mm. literally we live in a three-bedroom apartment and everything has halloween in it like she has like <laughs> skeletons she has skeletons of the dogs like cat skeletons everything on our door we have a reef and it's like the monsters that's and it, like, amazing lights up. she's a big halloween girly shout out to my mom it's also her birthday we celebrated that last night with some friends so happy birthday mom, mom thanks my mom is a true bruja so <laughs> and i love it so yeah but yeah that's it anything else going on in your life how's work work is good i was away last week like doing something different than my day-to-day -day work which was nice to get a break and like you know flex some different muscles so that was nice going back to halloween because i feel like okay. we have to give a Oh, yes. disclaimer about yes. cultural appropriation as yes. a Latina podcast. I feel like we can't avoid it. Just be thoughtful when you're picking out your costumes and think like, yeah. should I be doing this? Is this appropriate? Am I dressing up as a culture that I do not represent and that this can come off as offensive? And if the answer to any of those questions is yes, don't wear that and if you have to question it or think that it exactly you know, ask yourself that question it's a it's a don't wear it it's, it's cool 2023 stuff. i'm sure you could also find a list of like don't wear this <laughs> and even not even just the latina the latin culture just any culture yes and just be you know just be vigilant be aware of what you're trying to represent i know there's a lot of things in the world going on right now and it halloween is not the time to state where you stand let's keep it fun let's keep it light and let's keep it yeah. not racist that's Thank all you. my aunt just texted me the one who i mentioned in last episode and she was like oh thanks for mentioning mentioning me in your podcast <laughs> oh my god love i'm kind of upset my dad like hasn't listened to the episodes at any of them and i'm like you're annoying every time you with the cuban we mentioned yeah. you yeah and you're just gonna do that to us so dad if you're listening it's about damn time period hello dad please listen to every episode yeah okay so this episode is something that's very near this topic is something very near and dear to both of us i know i've spoken about it a lot on social media about mental health and um mental wellness mental well-being and we just wanted to talk about it because i think it's something that's really not talked about positively in the latin community and um i think we can both share a lot of experiences especially again with the but where we are in our family and who is that first person to take the, the to open those conversations because i feel like for myself it was my parents and my mom specifically and seeing that backlash from my grandparents not backlash but and seeing the response from my grandparents and other older Latins, Latinx people. So, and I wonder if that's the same for you, Fatima, or if that conversation really started with yourself. I did want to put a disclaimer before we get into everything. Um, Fatima and I are not doctors. We are not therapists. These are just our personal stories. And we really want to be on the side of this is not advice. Um, this is just like what we've done. And 
the only advice that we may give in this total in this episode is how to find the people that can give you advice done a lot of research we've you know have our own life experiences but ultimately this is not advice we will give yeah. resources in the description if you do need any help resources that um can help you yeah and more so this is just an attempt to kind of normalize the conversation and encourage everyone to at the very least just talk about it and think about it and realize that it's again just like a totally normal thing it's like talking about health in any other way um and so we want to share our stories and again just kind of like open the door for anyone listening to also be able to say like hey you know maybe i should talk to to someone or talk to even just one of my friends about what they do or whatever it is you know your friends are not your therapist though so don't go down that path but really just again to just talk about like you know, what everyone is doing and how they take care of themselves. I think that's really important. Absolutely. And I kind of wanted just to start off the episode sharing a little bit of my own journey, um, specifically with my diagnosis and where I am now. I would say growing up, I was a very anxious kid. I don't even think that depression, I was like, I'd never be depressed. Like I'm really functioning. Like I'm a functioning person but when I look back of how I handled my emotions and things like that it was very much fueled through anxiety and depression and I think back to like why I didn't do so great in one class one year but the next year I would do really well it's just like what was going on at home and at school was really affecting my mental health and that affected my performance so yeah so I dealt with that I kind of did therapy as a kid a little bit but it was like court regulated therapy from any time my parents had to go to court for like like child support things which is very normal it's nothing bad they just usually sent like a social worker to my house or something like just things like that and then I remember growing up my grandma would be like I wish you saw a therapist but it was always kind of like an extreme like Mm -hmm. it always made me feel quote-unquote crazy and like that very negative connotation but fast forward to college my grandmother passed away and I was very like grief hit me all five stages multiple times and I saw a counselor at my university and that wasn't the best my university only gave 10 sessions which made it feel very situational and 10 sessions for the for the whole time you're at your the university and so then I kind of stopped going but once I graduated I found a therapist who was awesome and into it um, I especially after my other grandmother had passed away, I was diagnosed with depression. I went to a doctor and he did the test and he prescribed me medication, which has been very, very helpful. So yeah, I've been kind of, that lives with me every day and I'm very open about being on antidepressants. I also have anti-anxiety medication for when I need it. I've been going to therapy on and off. Right now it's on and off. I was pretty good about it all through the pandemic and after. And when even I switched therapist, I, like my therapist left and I was really good about getting a new one. And he helped me get a new therapist, but yeah, that has been just a roller coaster because I feel like sometimes I just get the flu. I get a depression flu. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to take care of myself a little bit extra. But some days are very easy and some days are very, very hard. And there's some people who get it. And then there's some people that I meet that I have to just be like, this is a big part of me. And yeah, that's kind of a little bit of my journey without getting into it too much, because I hope that we get to kind of go in through the crevices of all those stories. Yeah. Now. How was I'm just going to jump in. How was the process yeah. of, of getting on medication for you? Because I feel like there's a lot of stigma around that. 
that? And I'm just curious as to like that process for you. It was kind of just, I mean, at that time I was already feeling very overwhelmed with life. I like didn't I don't know, very like helpless too. And I think it was in a time too that my career, kind of going back to the Gussie Girl Bosses episode, that I didn't know what I was doing with my career. And that kind of added to that kind of worth, like I don't have any worth. I don't have, you know, very helplessness again. So I was kind of like optimistic it it would help, but I kind of felt like, all right, like here we go. And I remember taking like the first dose and being like, okay, like this is it. Um, I actually did have to switch medication kind of halfway, not halfway through, I don't know. I took one type of medication, bumped it up, didn't feel like it was working. And then I started a different kind. So there's like SSRIs and SSNRIs. So I went from an SSRI to an SSNRI, more of a mood stabilizer. So it really just helps with my mood and my depression and everything like that. And if I don't take it, I can really know that I can notice the difference, which is really scary. It's not something that you want to just quit cold turkey, something you have to like be weaned off of. Yeah. So I've been doing, you know, gone up in doses of that and just communicating with my doctor um, and several doctors too, because I've noticed and, you know, now that I think about it, I went to one doctor and he just prescribed it to me. And then I saw, he loved the practice and I saw a Latina doctor. She was, she was great. I think she was Cuban too, as well. And so we like really bonded, but she didn't prescribe me anything. She sent me to a psychiatrist. She gave me some psychiatry. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was really interesting that she, like I was already taking this medication and that she she was like, I'd rather you see a psychiatrist. But the thing with psychiatrists are a little bit more expensive than doctors. They're all yeah. doctors, but like your general practice. I was going to this like psychiatry clinic all on telehealth. But and then once I saw that that was getting really expensive, I just went back to another doctor and was like, hey, this is what I've been taking. And they've been really great about it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I know a lot of people who are on medication and have seen like such benefits from it and so I think it's it's important to kind of just normalize that as like a good thing and when you have access to it like taking advantage of it and getting the things that you need because again like we're saying it's like any other thing right like when you're dealing with the flu or a cold or some like a chronic illness and you need medication for it that's totally fine and normal and so I think when it's related to your mental health it should be the same thing yeah it's like if you're not getting enough vitamin d they're gonna say take a vitamin d supplement if you're not getting enough serotonin or dopamine or things like Mm -hmm. that they're gonna give you know it's it's totally normal and it just become a date like a day-to-day thing. I don't know. I just take my meds and, and I have things too that if I'm feeling anxious, I can take just things in my toolbox that help that sometimes, you know, as much as I wanted exercising and breathing and meditating and reading mm-hmm. to help, it just, it didn't. It didn't bring me that sense of peace that I needed. Do you have anything you want to share about your mental health journey? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I didn't see a therapist until I was in college. And I think that for one, I wish that I had sooner. But I think that one thing to also acknowledge is that therapy is really expensive. And most of the time, it's not like your insurance is like, here, we'll cover it for free, you know? And so I think also like the whole first gen thing, right? Like when I was in high school or even younger than that, it's not like I had the resources for someone to say like, hey, you want to go to therapy? Like, here's how you do it. You know, it would have been something that I would have had to figure out myself. And in college, I feel like they made it super normal. And I think like they were like, hey, you know, we have a center. If you want to come, you can talk to our therapist at any time. But 
the sessions were also limited um, in the way that you were saying. So I kind of started going. And I think also it's a process of like finding the right fit for you. So I went to go like went to someone and I just felt like we weren't really like meshing. And I think that there was kind of like a cultural barrier there sometimes. And so because she was white. And I think that that's not to say that like, you know, people of color can't go to white therapists. But for me personally, in that moment, I felt like there was a barrier there to like understanding what I was going through. And so then I looked for another one within the same center and then eventually got referred out to some like just a therapist in New York. Um, And she was Latina. She was amazing. I miss her. I can't go to her anymore because I live in California now. Um, And they have like those rules about like they can't practice in different states. But I think like the catalyst for me was grief. Like I lost my biggest like mentor and the person that I was closest to in college. She passed away suddenly at the beginning of the pandemic and it wasn't like COVID related, but yeah, it was just like sudden. I got a phone call and I had no idea. And so I didn't, I had no idea how to deal with that. And I feel like I had lost people before then, but not like so close. And again, so sudden, like I had lost my grandfather, but we were kind of preparing ourselves for that. And we kind of knew it was coming as opposed to something that was like just sudden. And she was very young. So I feel like I, you know, I, there was just a lot of things that I had to grapple with and I didn't know how to. And I feel like I fell into depression really strongly. And again, like I didn't know, I didn't have like the language to say like, this is that, you know, like I just was like, I feel sad all the time and like, I don't want to get up and everything is terrible. And like, I have this like mentality where like things aren't good and it's like hard for me to see the positive. And I feel like I'm always optimistic. So when that happened, I was like, oh, whoa, this is new and different, you know, but I feel like I had probably struggled with that when I was younger and I just didn't know that that's what it was, you know, and it was just like, oh, you're just sad. And it's like, well, it's more than that, you know, and so I think like having a therapist and having like her go through all these things with me and say like, this is what this is and like putting a name behind it and putting like, you know, here's what you need to know. Here are some things that you can do was just like so freeing, you know, for me to be like, okay. I, I can understand this because I feel like sometimes I'm like very like kind of like analytical, right? Like I'm like, I need the answer. And I think with like mental health, sometimes you're just like, I don't know. Like I have no idea. You know, I'm just like feeling things. And that was something she used to tell me all the time is that like I try to rationalize everything. And she was like, I think you need to just like feel your feelings, you know? And I feel like that's like really hard for me sometimes because I'm like, well, I'm feeling this because of this. And then that means that. And then I'm going to do this and I'm going to feel better. And like, I think I had to learn that that's just like not how it is. But yeah, it wasn't until college and I'm not in therapy right now, but I do wish that I was. And it's just something that I need to like get myself together and and look for a therapist here in California um, and like really prioritize that. But yeah, that's kind of my experience. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I feel like we're on very similar paths with therapy, especially again, I started going to therapy after my grandmother passed away. And that was very sudden. I mean, yes, she was old, but it was like, one day to the next, she was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And just dealing with that and the guilt that comes with it. And, you know, just the grief and like learning for the future, I think a lot and we can have a whole grief episode one time. But I think that in grief, it's not that you it's not that you like turn the page and it's a new a new chapter of like you're not doing things differently now you're really just 
I'm trying to find the words to explain it, but like with what I've learned about grief is that you really learn how to draw around it. The grief is just a part of the of the You're story. You're living with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, it's not like it's from like big to small, like your life goes out and expands from that. It kind of just you take a little bit of that wherever you go now. And you I definitely think Mm -hmm. I have a new sense of a meaning of life and just what's important to me. And because of grief and because of therapy and like working that out, because even if it's grief in the sense that someone didn't pass away, they're just not there anymore or Mm -hmm. things are different, like you can grieve change you can grieve you know where you lived before where you know things like that someone moving on moving away i know i took it it really like turned my whole world upside down but the world is not right up again it's ups it's like upside down but right like i just like learned to to really live with it i don't know Mm -hmm. around it and and draw with it instead of like trying to just go back to normal yeah and it's not like linear which i feel like is something people always say right but i feel like when i was first going through it i was like okay and then i'm just gonna get to this point and i'm gonna feel better Mm -hmm. and like forget all about it and then that never happened and i just feel like there are days even now where i'm like oh you know la-di-di like whatever and then something triggers a memory or like the fact that like i can't text her or call her and then i'm like it all just kind of comes back and it's like strong and heavy and super present even though it's been like three years now you know um and i feel like i'll be like 65 and still probably like having moments like that but it's just all kind of part of the process and like you said you just learn to live with it and kind of accept it as part of like your new reality essentially and just, like, embrace it because i think of so many times where i wish my grandparents were there so a little context mm-hmm. i lost my dad's mom in april of 2017 july of 2019 i lost my mom's mom and then february of 2020 i lost my mom's dad so like kind of like back to back to back yeah and there's gonna be so many moments i wish that they're they're gonna be there for when i got get married it happened when my sister got married it happened when mason was born when i hear mason say bubble it makes me so sad that they're not gonna be there or like say something in the chat and i wish i just like i i even my heart hurts for mason that he doesn't get to know these beautiful people who love him so much but the best thing i can do is embrace them and the things that i do and you know honor them at my weddings or teach Mason Mm -hmm. the things that they taught me talk about them and things like that and just keep their memory alive because I do believe that they are like with me and you know play Mm -hmm. a big part in making things happen behind the scenes um and ultimately like them passing away like isn't about me it's about them and what they're spirit wanted again this is getting a little like spiritual but it's it's not about me and it's not about even my grandfather or my parents or my it's like really about them and i think something i struggle to with grief is like how do i also honor other people's grief without feeling overbeared overwhelmed yeah because i think some people just grief louder than others Hmm. yeah i mean there's a lot of like mutual care but then it's also like when you're going through something and you want to take care of other people but also you need to be taken care Mm -hmm. of too you know what I mean and like I feel like for me I'm really high functioning and really like independent and so I feel like I've had to really go out of my way to be like hey like I need help or like I am not doing well right now and I need support from 
XYZ person, you know, and I feel like it's not an easy thing to do. But I feel like from an outside perspective, like people can just see us and just be like, she's always smiling and like doing fun things and like having the time of her life. And it's like, yeah, you only see part of it or you only see like what we choose to show. But that doesn't mean that like we aren't struggling with the struggling with things and like need that support and so I think like that was something that was really helpful for me in therapy was for her to be like you should ask for help and you should like turn to your people who you give a lot of support to and who like you carry a lot of things for them when they need it and just like ask for the same you know and I feel like after doing that I felt a relief but even still now, I feel like sometimes my friends are like, we have to like pull it out of you. Like you don't want to just like tell me what's going on. Um, so I feel like it's just like a, a process and I'm I'm like working on it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's hard to like show up for your people when you aren't showing up for yourself. And like you said, too, like your friends are not your therapist. So sometimes for me, especially if I haven't had therapies, like it takes a lot of word vomit, things that you don't want yeah. other people to hold because it doesn't mean it has significance, but it's just like like the way that I kind of do therapy sometimes is that I just talk and talk and talk and then I'm like but I know that this I just have to talk things out sometimes and I come out with my own conclusions like mm-hmm. sometimes my therapist that I see sometimes she's like you did that all but like how like I didn't even how does your brain work because I'm just like well this happened and this happened and I know that this can be this and I just need to talk it out and like I feel this because x y and z like I know why I feel the way that I feel it's just talking it out and sometimes as much as your friends are going to be there for you and not have a bias it it feels it's an energy that you're giving to them that they are not protected against you know what yeah. I mean not like yeah. a therapist who's like I know how to like wash this away and, and and walk away like there is a bias towards it and and it's just like energy that you're giving to somebody else yeah and I think you should always ask if whoever you're talking to has the space to like have that mm-hmm. conversation right now because like I'm saying like you don't know what other people are going through or what they're holding and I feel like I try that's also probably part of the reason why I don't sometimes like to talk about things is because I'm like well you know Anais is going through a lot right now and like I don't want to burden her with this but I also feel like sometimes people are like you know, I do have the space for it. You just like didn't ask, you know what I mean? And so I feel like being intentional about like, okay, hey, like I could use some support. Do you have space for this? If they say yes, have the conversation. If they say no, like, you know, maybe find someone else to turn to. But, um, and again, that's not like in lieu of a therapist, but like, yeah, sometimes, you know, your people just want to talk about what's going on with you and like be there for you. So, yeah. And make sure it's like you meet halfway. Like you can't just mm-hmm. keep asking and asking, like make yourself, not saying you have to have the space for it, but if you can, like also ensure that you can be that person. And um, when you do have the space, I know like there's so many times Fatima and I will text like, how are you doing about X? Like mm-hmm. you told me this and I just wanted to like check in and make sure you're okay. Like I haven't heard from you for a couple of days. Like what's going on? Um, right. And just like, especially for those who have a harder time asking for help. Yeah. I kind of wanted to go back and just talk about your upbringing and what, what are the things you heard growing up about mental health and therapy and things like that. I think one thing we can kind of say right off the bat is that in our community, in the Latinx community, there's such a stigma around mental health. And to be fair to like us and to our community, I think that that, from my perspective, is getting better. I think that like there are more conversations being had and people really kind of opening it up and like talking about their own experiences like we're doing right now. But 
when I was growing up, I just don't feel like that was the case at all. And I think that there was like such a stigma around going to therapy. Like it would be like, oh, you know, you're crazy. Like if you have to go to a therapist, like you're, you know, esta loca, like whatever it is, you know. And I think that that's really harmful, especially when, again, like you don't have the language and the tools to like understand what you're going through. And then for it to all be kind of generalized as like, you're crazy. And like, you know, this is like a bad thing. And like, oh, also, I think a thing that is said a lot is like, you just have to pray. And I think like coming Mm -hmm. from Catholicism and like the strength of that, it's like, oh, like you're going through a hard time or like you're struggling, like you just have to pray. And that's not to take away from prayer and like faith and like what that means to people. I just don't think that that's like the end all be all for everything. And I think that that is something that I heard a lot in different circles. And I think one thing that also needs to be acknowledged is like the super negative impact of machismo and like especially on men. And I think on like the men in our community who are not allowed to cry or not allowed to express their emotions or like God forbid say that they have depression or anxiety or anything else. It's like, you're a man, you can't cry. You're a man, you can't do this. And it's like so harmful in so many different ways. And of course, like as women, we feel the impacts of that as well, because it's like, you know, they also perpetuate that and turn that on other people. And I feel like that was just like the biggest like through line. Right. Um, And so I feel like it was also just like we don't talk about it. Like, I think that that was the biggest thing for me was that until I was out of like my home and my community and like talking to other people about it and being in school where like things were really normal, especially college with like so many young people just being like, let's talk about it. This is normal. Take care of yourselves, whatever, whatever. That was like the first time that I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, let's talk about it. Like, here's what I'm feeling. Like, here's what's going on. But yeah, I just, I think that like we went through things that were really traumatic and then like never talked about it, you know? And like, my parents got divorced and we didn't, I didn't go to therapy. Like I didn't, you know, do anything to like deal with the impact of that on my life. And again, I just think it's like knowledge and resources and it's not to fault like any older generation. Like they just didn't grow up with that or they didn't know that they had access to that or like, again, things were expensive and maybe they wanted to and couldn't. And so I think like that's super fair. And I don't think that there's any like blame game in this, but yeah, I think for me, I just was kind of like, either it's really bad or like, like really bad as in like, oh, there's so much stigma around these things or we don't talk about it. And it's just like a silent like secret that we all carry. And if it comes out like, you know, there will be some kind of like, whoa, what's happening? But everyone just deals with their things as like they need to. And then you just like get it together and keep it moving, you know? And I feel like that's how I live my life was I was like, okay, something terrible happened. Like I'm feeling really bad, but all right, like let's keep it moving. You know, the grind never stops. Like I feel like it's such a thing. And sometimes you do need to stop. And I feel like I didn't give myself the space to do that until I was like much older. But that was what it was like for me. What about you? I would say all very similar, um, especially like, again, the machismo of boys don't cry and, you know, Mm -hmm. you you can't like talk about it. But I think too, there's 
comes this shame with anything in the Latin community. And I know I've been talking to someone who's going through a harder time right now. And she's like, I'm just so embarrassed and so shameful that of course you're not going to want to talk about it. And then, and if you go to therapy, it's like, well, why are you talking to somebody else about mm-hmm. your shame and embarrassment? My mom went to therapy when I was younger and she's trying to take me, but also there's like a stubbornness, I think too, when you're both a kid and a a Latin kid of like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, Mm -hmm. don't, you know, I don't want to, this is stupid. This is dumb because you're like taught that this is, you know, you're only here because you are very different from everyone else. And I think the way that family members of mine, when I didn't, you know, need therapy, it was because it was like, I was out of control. I could not be controlled. My emotions couldn't be controlled. Like I had no, no one could do anything for me besides a doctor. But I also think that in the community therapy is not a mental hospital mm-hmm. and i think those two are very like you have to go to the, like the hospital like i think it's it's very extreme and i think it's very easy like i remember and i would get so mad my grandma would like talk to my teachers about me and my guidance counselor and the guidance counselor would like pull me aside and it's like like thank you but like i needed just so much more than that and i don't know it was just it just kind of felt embarrassing in a se- I was embarrassed to have to be that kid that was pulled out because I was having a hard time at home and wasn't talking to anyone, but I didn't want to talk to my family because then their opinions come with it. And then I'm seen, seen as like the crazy one, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Any sense, but the crazy one and also like the sensitive one, you know, like, right. oh, pobrecita, she feels everything like, oh, you know, she's sad. Like, I remember there was times that I wasn't eating it, not because I was I wouldn't eat or I was really sad and I would stay in bed all day and I wasn't performing well. And it always came down to, oh, she's in love. Oh, there's a boy, a boy. Mm-hmm. Her and it's like, no, like I'm not eating because I think that I'm fat and I think that if I don't eat, I'm going to look skinny and be a certain way. And like, like I don't can't get out of bed because why? Why would I get out of bed? So my 14 year old, 15 year old brain, something bad is happening. Someone at school is saying something about me like I'm depressed. Like I don't, you know, my brain, I feel foggy. Like I felt foggy all the time. I'm more tired than normal. I just want to nothing bad happens when I'm in bed watching Netflix. Yeah. that's kind of my experience I did you know need a lot it's just like it feels like you're seeking attention yeah it's also like the the teenage girl stereotype right like if you're in high school and you're struggling with your mental health it's like oh she's just a dramatic teenage girl who thinks that everything is the end of the world right and there's that culture the culture doesn't translate right being what my grandma was like at 14, 15 is not like what I was at 14, 15 years old. Like my abuela, you know, had to help take care of her family and she had a lot of siblings and they, a lot of people in Latin American countries get married very, very early, yeah. sometimes as early as 15 years old. Whereas like I am in America, first, second gen, 1.5, like I like to say, you know, I have to deal with college, the pressures of college and students and social media becoming a thing. And, you know, on top of, yes, like boys being boys and, and, and things like that. And I think there's that like misunderstanding of what it was like to be a 14 to 18 year old girl. Yeah. I think that's funny too, though, that from my experience, there's a lot of like, and I guess this is the only way I know how to like portray it, but like oppression Olympics of mm. if we, as the generation who is experiencing the States, like complained about something or we're like, 
yeah. you know, stressed by something. It was like, well, do you know what I went through? And it's like, that's not the point. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that was one of my biggest frustrations is being like, oh, I'm so stressed out by school. And like, I don't know what to do. And like, you know, all of the anxieties that come mm-hmm. from so many different things. And then that being invalidated because older generations had to go through something more traumatic. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? They had, like They had like less, like I think for this is a very minute example, but my dad was like, we had one TV in the house growing up. Like we didn't have flat screens in every room and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like, sorry, question mark. Exactly. They now have more and just provide for me who can't provide for themselves. Like, like I just, in speaking of terms, cause I grew up at my grandparents' house. So it's like, okay, sorry, question mark. Like it doesn't take away from what I'm feeling because Mm -hmm. in the sense of like your brain, your brain is like a computer. It only gets information from the things that it perceives, right? Like I see this now that's in my brain. What I don't know, I don't know. And so you cannot make me feel bad for something that I don't know. What I do know is how I feel because of everything I perceived and how it made me feel and how mm-hmm. my brain computed it with the information that I have from the past. Yeah. And right? that's not but to like, diminish like right. any of their experience. There's just no need for comparison. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, I'm sorry that you went through that and you probably have serious, you know, like like things that you carry with you and that is super valid. And like, I wish that you had the resources to get help when you needed it, but that doesn't mean that like issues that I have or like me struggling with my mental health is any less valid because Mm -hmm. I have nice things around me. You know what I mean? Like it mental health doesn't like discriminate based on what you have around you, you know? And sometimes too, it's like, I could have everything. I could have the perfect relationship, the house, job. I could still be depressed. Not because I'm missing something. It's because literally my brain cannot make those chemicals that make someone happy, that makes people happy or excited or whatever it may be. Like, it's just, it doesn't even come down to what I'm perceiving or, you know, yes, there's sometimes that things make me feel a certain way and I have to like go through that. But like, sometimes I just, I need something to help with my mood, with my feelings. Like it's beyond me, just like Mm -hmm. we said in the beginning, just like if we had the flu and we needed to get we would go and get medicine i am missing chemicals in my brain i need to go get medicine yeah i mean i I feel like that's the oh sorry oh no go ahead yeah i was just gonna say i feel like that's the stereotype of like um trigger warning suicide but i feel like when really famous celebrities or like rich people what's the right term like i feel like now they're saying like don't say like committed suicide but it's like die by suicide i don't know something like that okay when really like famous people or rich people or celebrities or whatever it is like die by suicide it's like how could you possibly have like wanted to take your life if you have everything and you have so much money and you have the house and you have the career and it's like you are missing the larger connection of like it isn't about the things that you have and like how comfortable your life is it's exactly what you're saying like sometimes it's a chemical imbalance sometimes it's like this thing that you are struggling with that you have no control over and it 
it doesn't make your struggles any less valid. You know what I mean? Like I think of like Robin Williams all the time and people are like, he was the happiest guy. And like, you know, he had all this success. Like, how is that possible? And it's like, because people are forced to suffer in silence and like have to put on this image of, of happiness and success because that's what's expected. And that that doesn't take away your struggles like that doesn't take away your mental health issues or how you deal with depression or anxiety or PTSD or anything else mm-hmm. and so i feel like that is like the biggest thing that i want people to take away is that it isn't about like the material conditions that you are living in it it's literally about the struggles that you are dealing with and whether that is like a moment or again like something happening in your brain that you don't understand and you can't control like all of those things are real and no matter what like everyone has their own struggles and my struggles aren't more valid than yours because of anything else. You know what I mean? Like we can all have struggles. Like there's enough struggle to go around, trust me. And I think like we need to support each other through that. I uh, totally agree with you because I know someone who died by suicide, who um, was family, basically. He was my mom's boyfriend at the time. And um it's something very hard to to comprehend, especially this happened when I was 18 years old. Um, and it's something hard to comprehend too, or like live with when you're going through a state of transition because this happened between high school and college. So I didn't have high school to, you know, my mom to tell administration that this had happened and to look after me or your friends are kind of going your separate ways and you know, you're you're not seeing the same people every day, but I'm not in college yet. So I don't have a community there yet. I'm just in this limbo space. Everything is changing. And now this big thing happened to my family and to this person that, you know, um, was supposed to be in my, in my future. And I think that if there's one experience that's taught me more about mental health and compassion and kindness for other people, it is that because you just don't ever know what someone is going through and you never know what mm-hmm. other people are um, experiencing or what they've experienced. And it's so easy to blame drugs and alcohol when they are not like alcohol is so now I don't want to like be here and like shit on alcohol. I love a good drink, but like alcoholism is seen like a disorder or not a disorder it is a disease and it's mm-hmm. seen as a a coping mechanism but in reality it just is a disease alcoholism is a disease it's it's not something that be should use for mental health um strength to better your mental health it can actually really do the opposite effect um but yeah i think i really learned in that moment in those moments in in the last um i think now it's it's about to be 10 years kind of how i see other people in the mental health space and like we can really help each other and you know be there for one another and give each other the right res- like send each other the right resources you know talk about things um but yeah it, it's it's something that really like i hate when people say like suicide is selfish or whatever mm-hmm. it's like for someone to be so low it's heartbreaking um and i think that's something that comes out of i'm and i and i'm sharing this story because i see i remember the responses around me especially from those that were a little bit more removed we just saw him the other day and he looked great and you know 
trying to find and like you were saying like prayers and trying to find faith in that and being like what why is all this happening to everyone around me not just me i know it's just like really hard to 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 understand so you know like no one is ever alone and i hope people take that from from this too is like because the latin community might not get it there are other people even within the community that are have other you know are gen z or millennials or are in the lgbtq plus community or in the bipoc community like things like that like there are people that can help you and um it's a lot and it's something that took me a long time in therapy to understand because i had this this guilt with me that i could do something more for this person and that had an effect on my mental health was like i could have been nicer that one time or i could have made this situation easier and it's like we can't hold that with us forever so if you've lost someone by death of suicide um like we're here for you it's it's not something that just like goes away something that i still carry with me every single day and has affected parts of my mental health just like that understanding and again that like guilt that i carried with me um and i had to go back and talk to some people like i had to go back a few later years later and talk to my best friend about it who had known me in that transition and was so close about like do you remember when that happened like did i talk about it like what did you perceive um can i talk about it with you now because that's someone who she was like yeah you didn't talk to me about it you kind of said it and then things kind of carried on um but yeah that's that's my experience and story with that um thank you for sharing that and for opening up i know like i i imagine that is a really hard thing to do and must have been so hard for you and your family so but i think like there's a lot to take away from that especially like the fact that you're not alone and I think that a lot of people suffer in silence and then something happens and people are like I don't understand like why did no one ever tell me and I think like the guilt is so real um and people feel like I should have done more like I could have helped and sometimes like that is just not the case and like yeah um you know like obviously we want to like lead with empathy and be compassionate and be there for our people but sometimes like they are going through their own thing and they're intentional about like hiding that from you. And And, when, sorry, I was saying, and don't kick yourself if like one time you were in a bad mood and you said something that like, like that's, that was not the domino effect of that. Or, you know, like if you made things harder for for them. And I, I think of it just because he was like my mom's boyfriend. And if you've had mom's boyfriends before, you know how, that can be tricky sometimes that dynamic is tricky or like how you could have been closer with them and things like that but i don't think enough people also talk about when they lose someone by suicide Mm -hmm. and i think that's a stigma too because there comes so much shame and so much embarrassment and it's it's very traumatic um to get that phone call or get that visit from the like i remember that day better than i did i can remember 15 minutes ago um it's a body and a brain response and so like if you're in those shoes too like you're not alone the statistics are so high unfortunately especially for men that there are people who who are dealing with the the repercussions and like the aftermath of all of that and that process matters too no matter if you know someone that you were super close with or someone that you know you may not have talked to in a few years like it does really it's okay 
it can affect you and that's okay and that's something that's a story worth to share as well because i think it yeah. really does like shape us and I, that's what i really wanted to kind of bring around in, in, in this conversation yeah and i think when you're like when you're in a moment that is so low or struggling so much like you do feel alone or you do feel like the world would be better without me or like many of the other things that like your brain tricks you into thinking and so i feel like there's also like only so much you can do and when you're like close to something like that you feel the guilt and the pressure and the weight of it all but i think like as you said anais like you can't beat yourself up for it and so again like i think normalize talking the, about normalize yeah talking about that person yeah too. that's what i was gonna say like yeah the more you talk about it, the more normal it becomes, the more people will know that they're not alone. And also, again, like it shouldn't be this like shameful thing or like this like guilt thing. It's just something that happens and that we need to be open and honest about and like really share stories like yours of people who are still here and like are dealing with that. And I think like there are so many people who like have gone through attempts and then like survived and then talk about it and talk about how they felt in that moment and like all of the things that led up to it. So I, yeah, I just really think there's, there's a lot of importance in that conversation. Okay, so we have so much to talk about on this topic because we both feel really passionately about it and I think it's super important. So we are going to stop here. Um, and do a part two next week to talk about some of the ways that we take care of our mental health, our process with therapy, things like that. So make sure to come back next week for the second part of this. And again, thank you, Anais, for sharing your stories and your experiences. I think it's it's really important for people to hear. So I'm really glad we're doing this. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for sharing and for making this a space to share. It's it's very important that we have these conversations. 100%. All right. We will see you next Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and follow us personally on Instagram and rate and review, follow, do all the things you can do on podcasts. We're available on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.